Support for this episode comes from Modern Football Technology. Modern Football Technology provides real-time opponent tendencies and self-scout while eliminating manual data entry into Huddle, DV Sport, and Exos. If you're tired of tools that are time-consuming to learn and perform inconsistently at best, then we recommend Modern Football for a fresh perspective. Schedule a demo today at teammofo.com to see a battle-tested tool that's proven to perform and deliver value. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use a coupon code CC10 to receive 10% off your first year. And listen to our recent episode featuring Folsom High School Defensive Coordinator Jordan Ersick to learn more about how the 2023 California State Champion uses modern football to dominate their opponents. Whether I'm recording the conversation with Josh Herring or not, our interactions never disappoint. He's both an outstanding student and teacher of the game and is able to take complex ideas and simplify them in the way he teaches them so that his players can excel in execution. He moved from being the OC at Jones County back to his previous position at Lasseter High School as the QB coach. In this episode, he shares what he's seeing in the evolution of the passing game. There's definitely takeaways in this one to help you advance your offense. Here's our number two episode of our best 11 of 2023 with Josh Herring into the passing lab. I've been fortunate to coach many successful teams over the years, so I'm excited to tell you about Signature Championship Rings, a championship ring company who perfectly captures your winning season and fits your budget. Signature Champions specializes in fully customized rings for your high school and college teams, partnering with more than 10,000 teams across the country. What sets Signature Champions apart is the coach experience. The ring ordering process is streamlined and hassle-free with Signature Champions ensuring their coaches feel like MVPs every step of the way. Visit SignatureChampions.com podcast and get your team championship rings today. Use the code podcast to receive a free coach ring and ring box with your team's ring order. Link is in the show notes. And listen to our entire champion series presented by Signature Championship Rings to learn from state champion head coaches on how to take your program to the top. We have to be better teachers today than maybe you used to, and that's nothing against old coaches. I think there's still some old school mentality to some of the things, maybe about me as a coach, but I do think that they are always going to want to know why. And if you just start assuming you've got to teach them why, that's what we try and do at the very start of everything we install. Here's why we do this. This is what this is good against. Here's who this will be good against on our schedule. And if you can make that kind of concrete in there and pragmatic for them, okay, well, this makes sense. Then I think that gets buy-in. And so that teaching part of it, the teaching piece, I think is just super important. On today's podcast, we go into the passing lab with Jones County High School offensive coordinator, Josh Herring, and discuss evolution of the passing game, combating today's defenses, the details of specific concepts, and how to practice. I know this is one that you will have a lot of takeaways from. You might want to get a notebook here and jot some of these down. I know I always learn from Coach Herring anytime I talk to him. We're going to talk about the passing game today and how it evolves and develops and answers for particular things that we're starting to see on the defensive side of the ball. 
and I'm excited to be joined again. It's been a while. Uh, we used to talk ball with him all the time. Been on the podcast in the early days, but he's back again. Josh Herring, who's the offensive coordinator at Jones County High School in Georgia. Josh, it's great to have you back and to catch up with you today. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. It has been a while. It's been too long, so it's good to get back and talk some ball. Coach, you've always done a tremendous job with the passing game. I know I've picked up a lot and used a lot of things that you showed me over the years. And all of those things, I mean, hey, it started somewhere, but you do a great job of evolving your offense, really, to be able to continue to attack defenses and have the answers. And in today's defensive world, I think you pointed out to me before we got going, these guys are just getting better and better. I mean, part of it is information now is is easy to get. The pandemic changed that. It used to be, you know, you had to work to get some things, work to get film, and all that's easily available that also means, hey, we got to stay on top of it. How are we going to have answers for things? So when you look at just the landscape right now, defensive football, what things do you feel everybody really needs to have an answer for? What you said is absolutely true, and it's the, the amount of information that's out there. And I think that defensive guys, they talk a lot. Sometimes I think they may even be less secretive than those guys on the offensive side of the ball. If they find another guy that's wanting to talk defense, then they'll, they'll go and go and go. So you've got – I mean, really sophisticated coverage concepts and pressure packages that are kind of trickling down to our level. I think one of the things that we've seen in studying, we're always going to have off-season study, and we're going to look at teams that either are doing a really good job or we think kind of fit what we do. And just in watching college film, I think you've seen it evolve from, you know, in kind of the majority spread world of college football, you just had mostly six-man protections. And I think defenses have gotten really, really, really good at breaking down people's protections. I think that all the different sims and creepers and all the cool defensive buzzwords, I mean, those things work. And I think high school guys are starting to think in that mode a little bit more and realize that, you know, they don't always have to heat you up and go zero to get pressure. So for us, uh, kind of in our world, we're, we've evolved a little bit to a little bit less six-man protection. I think that still, you know, can be your base protection, have a lot of value. But I think empty protections, you know, whether you're in an empty set or whether you're just releasing five guys fast, I think that can really strain and put pressure on the defense. If they're going to try and break down your protection anyway, um, well, let's get, get guys out and get athletes in space and try and make them respond to that. And then also the other way, which is – go into a lot more seven-man play action or seven-man check release protection where we can really make sure we've got a hat for a hat as far as protection goes. We don't have anybody that's in a dual read, so it makes it a little bit easier on us as far as getting our protection broke down. Um, and then we're able to maybe push the ball downfield a little bit more or maybe throw intermediate stuff, even if it's not just shots that you're taking, but you can get a little more time to throw intermediate stuff down the field. And anytime – you know, they're, they're in a, any kind of rush mindset. You've got, you're putting guys in coverage for a little bit longer, and so maybe you can hit some intermediate stuff and create some explosives. I think that's, that's a big-picture thing I've seen that I think people need to be prepared for. If they're not doing it in your league or your region right now, then pretty soon you'll, you'll probably see some pretty sophisticated pressures. I know I like to keep up with what defensive guys are talking about at clinics, and I have some defense coordinator friends, and that is a, that's a hot topic right now, Sims and Creepers and all the other words. So yeah. I would uh, be on the lookout for that as an offensive guy. Yeah, definitely. It's made its way in. It has been over the last few years, but definitely we're starting to see that more and more. And, you know, we're going to talk about some different types of concepts today to attack the coverages we see out there. But I think starting with protection, you mentioned the five-man, the six-man, the seven-man. Uh, we did a, a clinic 
with Kyle Kasky at the Cool Clinic where he just talked about game planning for exotic pressures. Spent an hour and a half just talking about that. Had him on the podcast talking about some of that as well. And, you know, obviously that's at the pro level. He's done it. You know, when you're looking at it at the high school level, how do you go about breaking that down and, and having the protection answers you need for every single game plan? I think it's really important that you have a language as an offensive staff to where you can communicate pretty quickly uh, what pressures you're seeing and then breakdowns to where, you know, what, what one thing that I, I don't like is there we get names for some of these pressures, right? You know, I mean, the most generic would be, you know, people would call the old – uh, really popular fire zone like the NCAA pressure mm-hmm. or whatever. Well, that, that may not mean something to our guys on staff. So we want to have a kind of a methodology for how uh, we're going to input stuff in the huddle and kind of know what pressures we're seeing. And then we want to make sure that whatever the things are that they're really good at, that they're getting pressures or sacks or that they are really bringing on money downs, that we're practicing those. I think you can really get lost and not see the forest for the trees if you just draw up every single blitz they have and you start chasing ghosts. So for us, I mean, we're going to work the things that we think are their best blitzes or that we know are going to give us the most trouble. And we organize practice. And it, Some guys may think this is overkill, but we're going to have literally at least, at least two blitz pickup periods every practice with the O-line quarterbacks and running backs. And it may not be – a very long period, but we're going to do that at two to three times. And so we, we're lucky enough to have, you know, guys that play mostly offense or mostly defense. And so the way we structure our practice is after we have a team period for offense, some of our skill guys, just a few, but they have to go play defense some and get some reps. And so while they're doing that, that gives us time when we're scouting, when the offense is scouting for the defense, me and another coach uh, can take those guys and actually work blitz pickup. And that's been hugely beneficial for us. And, making sure that we're at least repping the stuff that we need to and the problem areas that we're going to have in our different protections against whatever team we're playing. So I think it's important to, to note some of the specifics of those blitz pickup periods to really make them work well. You're doing with offensive line, that's one thing, whether your center's calling things or your quarterback, but I think it's also important, and we're going to get into it a little bit later, You know, some of those zero answers too. So uh, I imagine that in these sessions, you're you're not just calling out protection, that you're calling out routes too, so that your quarterback is is able to move, you know, his eyes and his feet through the progression. Absolutely, and that, that you have to think. I think that gets lost because we break up everything in the group and Indy as coaches. And the, I mean, the passing game is a total thing where you've got, you know, to me, uh, I, I used to say at clinics and, and guys would act shocked, but I mean, a lot of times you know, a sack to me is much more devastating than interception. And what I mean by that is an interception, I generally know who to blame pretty quickly. Uh, a sack can be all kinds of factors. It could be an alignment. It could be a running back. It could be a route that took too long that wasn't at the proper depth. It could be a quarterback holding on to the ball. So having that total view of the passing game and having the quarterback work his eyes and kind of feel, okay, this is where this would happen, and this is the timing of this pressure, and this is how I have to get the ball out hot. I think all that's that's a great point. It's really important to think of the passing game as a total thing. And we do that, I think, a lot, usually with the run game. We think about that from every single receiver's block on down to the O-line blocks and, the, you know, the track of the running back. But the passing game is a total offensive concept also. So I think it's really important to have the quarterback understand that this, is, this doesn't happen in a vacuum. You've got individual pass plays that are going to be called with this protection, and you better know where your answers are. It's a good practice to do, you know, we're talking about with the offensive line in there to do that when they're not there as well, whether that's routes on air or seven on seven or even just working maybe 
you know, half half side of a field, but always having the quarterback go through the mechanics of everything he does to understand the defense, even if he's imagining. And we, we would tell him, for example, if we were sliding the protection to the, to a three technique, you, you tell us where the three technique is. Like, you just go through the work. Imagine he's one side or the other. Or sometimes he knew by game plan he might be field or boundary, but always doing that work so that they understood this, this all ties together protection and the routes and everything ties together yeah that's really good i think whether it's routes on air or even individual i think you should always be having a mental process taking place for the quarterback you can't you can't get enough mental reps and there's ways you know you may be saving their arm but they can definitely be going through stuff mentally that's going to help you win games on friday i think that's crucial no doubt no doubt so we talked a little bit about this, the Sims and pressures here. So the, the opposite of that is when they drop everybody, right? A drop eight coverage, which also has made its way down to the high school level. I've seen that utilized. Seems the air raid team started to see a lot of that. But I think, you know, at all levels now, you start to see a little bit of drop eight as well. Right. That, that's been a, a huge thing for us for the last four years, really. It's actually, we saw so much drop eight, it really started to change some things about what we do offensively in our personnel packages. You know, in 2019, our staff came in at a a new school and uh, had to put in stuff really fast. We kind of got there late, and we were mostly a 10 personnel team just based on getting our best guys on the field. And we had a quarterback that was mobile, but he wasn't what anybody would call a dual threat. And so, uh, we were throwing the ball pretty effectively, and we really started to see just constant drop eight. And I think drop eight is – people just say drop eight is a blanket term, but what are they doing in the drop eight, and what are they taking away? And I think the things that it hurt us the most with was things between the hashes because you're going to tend to have that extra robber you know, or rat that's in the hole. Uh, it makes t- tougher – it's just tougher to throw the ball in between the hashes. I think you can still get isolations outside – you can still really attack the flats most of the time. But what I think you have to do is really look at what is their coverage principle, right? They've got an extra guy, but still, what are they doing in coverage and what beaters would you run against that? And then how can you sort of neutralize the eighth defender? I think having a mobile quarterback is huge. If a guy can run, I think it makes it less likely that you have to deal with some of that stuff. For us, we're in more 11 and 12 personnel than we've ever been. I mean, I've always loved that. You've got to have tight ends, and you've got to develop them in high school because those guys usually are playing linebacker or defensive end. But I think that helps with some of that. But, you know, a lot of guys' answer is, well, if they're playing drop eight, you know, well, we're going to run the ball. Well, <laughs> if you're running the ball, they're going to fit the run. You know, it's not it's not like when teams play right. drop eight now. They're pretty, they're pretty good. They're not just all immediately taking off and sprinting 10 yards back, you know. So that's what's great about it. So you have to have answers that at least make guys be run conflict players, I think. You know, where if you can just – if you're just a straight drop-back team, you're going to see a steady diet of it, I think. And I think that even air raid teams, if you think of like a guy like Lincoln Riley and just how effective they are at running counter GT and all the different things, all the cover eight variations you see in the Big 12. I think, you know, being able to run the ball to tight end and be physical and – all those things are important if they're going to bring lighter bodies in. But in high school, it's usually the same bodies. They're just dropping eight. So uh, you've still got to find the weak points just like you would any defense. You've just got to be able to figure out how to still isolate guys. And uh, it's not easy. I'm not going to say that it is. But I do think there's answers out there to it. Yeah, looking from the route concept standpoint, and I've, I've watched all of your stuff that you've put up on Coach Tube. I know we did one. Together during the pandemic, we did a virtual clinic, and you had uh, 
I think they were called attitude passes. Some definitely some favorites in there. Recently, the seam read, the half roll shots, Y cross variations. You know, when you're looking at just the different route concepts, and again, going back to what we started with, some of these these defenses we're seeing. What things do you feel marry up well to be able to attack those? The, one of the good things about drop eight is you you would assume it's not always true, but you would assume that you can get a little bit more time in the pocket, uh, especially if you're going to have any type of move pocket pass. One one of the things that we've liked is it may still be a six or seven man protection, but a, a play action or something where we move the launch point a little bit and we're able to really let routes develop down the field. I think the further you get down the field the less drop eight matters. So uh, you mentioned our, the half roll shot. So w- we have an, a package of plays that are three level floods for us. I think Lane Kiffin and some of those guys call them Mardi Gras reads, but the read doesn't change for the quarterback. And he's got a route on top of the safety, a route in an intermediate area, and then something low as a check down. And it's, it's really clean and really easy for a quarterback. And what you do is you're able to put enough of a stretch and let those routes develop downfield that maybe the drop eight doesn't impact it as much. And so, you know, deep crossers and things like that can really still out-leverage those linebackers that are dropping in the middle hole, and you can find some grass a little bit deeper. I think wider splits can help with some of that. I think the wider splits you get, if you see a lot of, you know, the Art Bryles tree guys, you're still going to get wide enough. You still create isolations where all those linebackers and the extra rats they have in the hole, they don't really matter as much because – you're extending the ball and you're getting so much width, you know, outside the hashes and being able to throw it there. I think that stuff's good. And then we've still been able, we feel like four strong releases, especially some of the quick game stuff that, that we've done with four strong spacing and four strong snag. We feel like we can still get numbers uh, even against the zone drop eight defense in, in one part of the field. So I think all that stuff's been really, has been good for us. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the four strong. That's really become a, a popular concept here. I know if you watch like the Chiefs do a ton of it, obviously it's a good concept. And one thing is bring more people than they have there, right? The same thing is you right. know, always equating numbers is, is the whole idea there. So talk us through some of the things you like to do with four strong and, and to get to that look. You mentioned the Chiefs, and that, that's a big that's a big team I like to study. I mean, I think everybody enjoys watching, you know, what Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy have, have come up with and just how creative it is. But they, they do a lot of four strong stuff. That's one of the kind of inspirations for us. And I think that kind of there's a lot of factors in why it's good. I think it creates a lot of defensive communication. If you follow a lot of the really good defensive guys, they talk about having to have communication with linebackers and make push calls and guys maybe have to get into a position they wouldn't normally get into. I think if they do a great job of trying to match to four strong, you're almost guaranteed to get a, a one-on-one to the single. So if that's what you're looking for, it makes it very hard for some of the split coverage stuff not to get outnumbered um, if they're going to try and do something to double your single. Just just a quick example of something that we really like is when we run a snag concept for us, which would be generally number two on a corner route, uh, number one on the snag route or what we call a hole route, and then somebody to the flat, we're always going to have some type of levels on the backside. And it, it just enables us to have something to scan back to. And also there's some other things we can do if we want to read the mic and throw opposite him. But we want, we want that picture to say the same for the quarterback. So if we go four strong to run snag, we're going to create that same picture, but we've got an extra guy. And so what we do with that extra guy is he's going to drag across back towards the single. And the single would still be running some form of a dig or for us, it, we call it a hunt. 
but you're still going to end up with guys in that same picture. It's a levels type high low picture for the quarterback on the back side. So nothing changes in his read. It's just a different picture for the defense, but that drag creates instant communication issues. And if there's any hesitation for those guys to try and reroute that drag, put hands on it, it makes it really, really hard for an inside linebacker or a hook player to help on that two-on-one between the flat route and the snag route. And so it really cleans it up. A lot of our quarterbacks would much rather throw the four-strong version, even though it seems like it's got a lot of stuff happening. It's really cleaner for them than just your standard two-by-two snag that everybody runs. And so that's been a really, really big pass for us for years now. Our quarterbacks love it, and it's we run it as quick game. It's a core quick game thing for us where we're really trying to throw either the arrow or the snag route. The corner is kind of just a reaction throw. But we really love that, and it's we think it drains out defenses, even in drop eight where you can get numbers and still be able to get the ball in the flat. Yeah, that's always been a favorite concept of mine, and, and we didn't necessarily treat it as as quick game, but it was right around there. I mean, typically, you know, we want quick game out by 1.5 seconds at the longest. Sometimes I'd see those go to, to maybe 1.6, 1.65. If you're hitting those every now and then, you might hold a little bit because you know you got the corner or something like that. But uh, right. but it is it, it's it's a good concept to get the ball out quickly. Definitely. It's, it's one of our favorites. And then uh, and one of the coach two courses, uh, the, one of the attitude pass uh, passes that we still run, I, I think it's in the uh, – it's another course, the uh, five passes course. But four-man spacing for us, uh, spacing I think gets a bad name sometimes. And there's some people that don't like it anymore and just see it as, hey, you know, that's just the spot drop pass. And we don't see much of that anymore. We're seeing match coverage. But for us, the four-strong version of it has really opened it up and allowed us to use it against multiple coverages uh, we really like it with the back in a fast motion outside. So we're going to have we, – we tag it up, but we're always going to have somebody in that sit route over the ball right at five to six yards. We're always going to have somebody on – for us, it's the same teaching. We call it a hole. The mini curl for us is a snag route. That's what it is. So we carry over the teaching. We're going to have some way we hold the corner. So if number two was running the snag route, then number one may run the go. Or if number one is running the snag route, then we're going to have some type of rail or wheel type concept to hold the corner. But we're just trying to get the corner out of there and still end up back with three-man spacing. So in the same way that we're thinking about snag, we're going to create the same picture, but we've got an extra guy. So who do we want to impact with that extra guy? Well, with spacing, we're going to impact the corner. We want the corner out of there. So we can really define the read for the quarterback for the spacing concept. And, you know, with what we were talking about with our four-man snag, we're trying to impact an inside linebacker so he can't help on the snag and flat route. So what do you do with that fourth guy? I think there needs to be a purpose when you're running these four strong concepts. And I think that's what the Chiefs do such a good job of. And I think Mike Leach, you know, with some of the four strong stick stuff that he's done for years, and I think he had some good ideas with that too. And I think the more – if you're a big passing team, you're going to see there's a lot of merit and value in the in releasing the four guys strong. Something you said there too. I mean, talking about you know spot drop and you know I think the coaching that you do has to evolve beyond how those lines are drawn on the on the diagram. And guys have to understand that the defense is going to do some things that will affect the way you run those routes. So if if you teach yeah, to just get to a certain spot. That's not always going to work against against certain teams. You know, we were fortunate. Uh, the defense we played against was, you know, hands on. 
they were going to carry, even if they were going to drop to something, they were going to carry us and match us at least for a while before they let us go. I mean, we had to do a good job of, of winning, you know, winning route side space. The term I picked up from, I think it picked up from Dub Maddox, right? We had to do a good job of understanding how we were going to affect that defender to get to where we wanted. And, you know, it's one of those things, if you, you start to teach it like that, obviously there's things that are better versus zone versus, you know, versus man, et cetera, but it's a way to, to win back those routes, regardless of what's called, because you have essentially, you have a situation where people have been isolated because somebody ran, somebody else ran the right route or ran it the right way, I should say. And then you have yourself in a position that, you know, basically you're between the ball and, and the defender. Right. And so the only way right. for him to get to it is to go through you, whether that's a deep ball that you've stacked them or whether that's, you know, a, an underneath pass that you've just put yourself in a position. Now the only way he can get to you is through a DPI. Yeah, that's definitely a really good thought. And it, I think more and more, it's just really important to have teaching time with receivers and, and to talk through those things and have them meet with quarterbacks. That's a big thing for us is, Sometimes I just need to meet with the quarterbacks by themselves, but we like to meet with quarterbacks and receivers all in the same room so they're hearing the same language and they're all on the same page and they understand, you know, where the quarterback's coming from. And it helps, you know, for us being in high school where we can watch film on the sideline and these guys are in a tent and where they're able to communicate between series, you see that there's an understanding of instead of just the receiver complaining, you know, because he didn't get a ball on a play, they're starting to understand more of, okay, well, I had a role on this play. I didn't get the ball, but, you know, my time will come later. And I think part of that is that teaching and communication that happens with all those guys to where I just think we have to be better teachers today than maybe you used to. And that's nothing against old coaches. I think there's still some old school mentality to some of the things maybe about me as a coach, but I do think that they are always going to want to know why. And if you just start assuming you've got to teach them why, that's what we try and do at the very start of everything we install. Here's why we do this. This is what this is good against. Here's who this will be good against on our schedule. And if you can make that kind of concrete in there and pragmatic for them, okay, well, this makes sense. Then I think that gets buy-in. And so that teaching part of it, the teaching piece, I think is just super important. Again, it goes back to, there's just more information available. These, these kids start to have more and more football IQ. I think more people, people are teaching beyond just, you know, here's what we do. They're, they're teaching the game in general and situations. And so, yeah, you, you have to be a little bit better on coaching things up. Speaking of coaching things up, I wanted you to, to coach up maybe some of the finer points of the Y-Cross. It's something you said you like Y-Cross and its variations. And, you know, that, that key route obviously is the crosser. And again, to run it like it's drawn on the paper, or you can understand some things in how you're going to get it open with some of the different things that might be done to you. So coach us through that particular route. I kind of cut my teeth as a coach in an air raid system. So I think Y-Cross is, is always going to be a part of something that we do, something we, I mean, we really believe in. And we, we kind of have, we believe in it so much, we actually have kind of, uh, for the kids, it's pretty easy, but for the quarterback thought process, it's, it's two kind of different ways to think about it. We we have boss for us, which means backside cross. And what that enables us to do is whatever front side concept that we want, we're going to be able to tag that and always have Y cross as something we can scan our eyes back to. So it's something the quarterback's comfortable with and we can work whatever, you know, beater or front side thing that we really like. And he always feels like, okay, I've got something coming back into my vision 
and it's always going to have a cross and some type of curl flat on the backside. And so I always know it's there and it kind of gives me a bailout. And we, we hit a lot of throws to that as the third and, you know, fourth read in the progression. The other way we think about it is we also have routes where we're trying to throw the cross. And when that's the primary, when it's really what we're trying to get out of the route, then what it's really about is building in things that protect that cross and who's taking it away. You know, if a front, the easy way to describe it, if, if it's a, a safety, if the quarterback's starting his eyes left and, and the field is to the right and the cross is coming from the right, okay, and it's the boundary safety that's rocking down on cross, well, then we should be tagging a post over the top. Or if it's, you know, he's having a lot of trouble from the field with a field safety attaching to him, well, then we should have the field post going over the top, which, you know, guys like Chip Kelly really popularized having – a read version of that where he's reading whether it's a post or a curl. So we kind of, we run it so much, we kind of have two thought processes. But if, if it was a base, you know, this is the first way we're going to kind of install this. We're going to have some type of fade out or a fake screen, which creates a smash concept uh, generally into the boundary. So we're going to have a quick high low of some form or fashion on the corner into the boundary. We're going to have Y cross to the to the field. We coach the cross probably to the point of overcoaching sometimes, but everybody kind of knows, you know, the under Sam over Mike teaching point. But we've really started with a little bit wider splits to evolve into more of an aiming point of really trying to get uh, against single high more the 18 to 20 range on the opposite hash. And if it's too high, just understanding you're probably going to have to snap snap that route off when you climb the mic. And so we try and create a lot of different situations for that guy to work through traffic. And we have to really rep it because in the old air raid days, we might have one guy, you know, our Y would be the only guy that runs cross, you know, the old how mummy style. Well, we'll run it with more guys and tagging it up a little bit. So that has to be something that we really work a lot, uh, being able to throw the ball in windows. We've gone back and forth over the years with whether the accompanying route to the cross should be a dig or a post curl. Right now for us, it's a post curl. I think there's merit to both. I talked to a college coach the other day that was telling me, you know, for that, that they do both and they've basically made it into two concepts. Uh, and, and so I think there, there is merit to both. For us, uh, the post curl right now just marries up better with what we're doing with some other things in our offense rather than running like a 15-yard speed dig, which I think is still good. But we're running plenty of backside posts, so we feel like that enables that guy to maybe the routes to look alike and be able to get open. Uh, on the post curl a little bit better so that's that's probably a rambling answer but that's it's one of my favorite things i could talk about it for a while <laughs> yeah definitely well i, I want to just follow up on what you said the conversation with the college coach and the merits of of having it for multiple purposes so looking at at those two things what would those be okay so for them it's generally going to be two different pass plays when they're really thinking about that it it's the backside of a flood concept where Y cross for them is almost an over type route where they're really seeing it as an intermediate route between something over the top and uh, a medium route and then something low that dig has time to work and it's really going to be coming back into the quarterback's vision as that cross drains out coverage now the dig is coming to the middle of the field and he can swing his eyes back and that becomes his outlet whereas for them running Y cross the traditional way we run it is kind of is a different concept where they're really thinking, okay, I'm going to run, I'm going to throw this cross. And then if it's not there, I've got a curl flap. And so they feel like because they tag so many posts and I, 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 would, I would love to tell you 
it's confidential, so I can't really. I'd love yeah, to tell you this guy's understood. name. <laughs> I will have to talk off air. <laughs> but but uh, they, they do a really good job of running posts, so they think the post curl is a great companion route to that, and they're really mostly working cross to post curl to flat. And so it's really two different concepts for them. So when it's more of a scan type deal, they prefer to have the dig because of its ability to run away against, against man and because it's going to take a little bit longer to have your eyes on the front side. When you're running the post curl, you're able to get to it a little bit quicker. So you can throw that thing on time without having to worry about him separate from man coverage, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk off air on who that was. But <laughs> you mentioned just looking at that, right? Having having things for different purposes and complementary and all those kinds of things. I think you do a number of things really well. But one of the things uh, really that has stood out to me over the, the time I've known you is you know, you don't want to waste routes. There's, you're well aware of the capabilities of your players and how certain things fit. And that might change from year to year, but within the things you do, I mean, there are no dead routes, right? And, and that's not always true in every offense. I mean, you, you might watch and break down a team and like, be like, man, they never, ever throw this route. The one time they did, it wasn't even close. Right. So one of the things I've really seen you evolve with that is your seam read package and you know you've you've brought some things that I've learned from you before into that like squeeze as an example but you know just a, a perfect example of saying all right you know we want the all the benefits of a a four vertical package but at the same time you know we still want everything to be attacking this defense so talk us through a little bit about the evolution of that in and some of the things you like best from that package now I mean, that's my favorite thing in the world. I absolutely love it. Anybody that knows me knows that I've, I've been into seam read stuff and option routes for a long time. And I, I just think a core part philosophically of, of what we want is, is answers. And uh, I probably get annoying talking to our offensive staff so much about that, but we want to give the kids answers. I don't want them to ever feel like, you know, well, we didn't at least have a shot at this. And so I think in developing a passing game, it's also about creating answers. You're, like you said, you're going to have things that are your primary routes that you're planning on throwing. But you have other things built in that are not just a, you know, take up space route. So the seam read package, for instance, when we call our seam read stuff, we're wanting to throw the seam reads. That's that, that part of the deal. That's the primary. But we're going to build in on something on the front side that gives us answers for things that maybe the seam read is not great against. So we talk a lot with the quarterbacks about like if we're running a front side seam read and our squeeze route, which is a fin or a five-yard in route for a lot of people, that's not what we're calling this play for, but that's there. If you can get a first down or you can get a touchdown, you can throw that. And what it enables you to do is because you've got a low route that can pull down a corner, if you get a cover zero look or you get a pressure look, Seam reads take a little bit of time to develop. So now all of a sudden I have somebody in the slot to the field where I've got a a back shoulder answer where you get, you know, America's cover one or America's pressure play, which is the slot fade. You've got that. And so that's built in where there's an answer. I think more and more our teaching when we start with quarterbacks on any concept, and I would hope that I would have always been this way, but I've really made a conscious effort to do a better job of starting every pass play with, all right, what's our pressure answer? If we get zero or we get something where we've got to get the ball out fast, what are our answers here? If we don't have anything, can you check us to something? And so that's always the worst-case scenario, and there's this you know, chalk battle between offensive and defense coordinators where offense coordinators say they love pressure and defensive guys say 
they're going to bring pressure because offenses hate it. And there's probably some merit to both sides. But you better give that kid answers if he's the one getting hit on a Friday night in front of a few thousand people and, you know, and they're bringing the pain. Well, how am I going to get this ball out to good players and not get hit? And I think if you start with that, then there's a confidence that gets built up of, okay, I know what to do when things go bad. And so, you know, we do a good job in schools of teaching what to do in emergencies. So we, we rep it and we talk about it and everybody from kindergarten on, you know, up through their senior year of high school, they know exactly what to do in an emergency. Well, for an offense, that can be in an emergency. So how do we, how do we attack that and make this a good thing? And I think if you start with that process, then it's going to give him uh, a lot of latitude and freedom where he, he feels free to really just perform because he knows all the answers to the different things the defense is going to present to him. Looking at, again, all the, all the things you do, the concept is important, but how you practice it is important as well. Uh, I know, again, looking through the stuff you put together on CoachTube, you, you do provide some of those answers, but talk us through the way you look at drill setup and, and the way that you're going to get all the repetitions you need through the different drills that you put together. I think that's it. I think uh, that, that's the question you have to look at as a coach is, is how are we going to practice this? And are we practicing the things that we need to get practiced? And I, 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 you just hear the word reps constantly, but I tell our guys, we want meaningful reps. Like we, we want it to be game-like. We want it to be things that matter and not just, you know, rote, we, we fuss all the time as teachers in the classroom about things like rote memorization, which still has a place, but if that's all you do, well, it's not game-like, then what's the point? So what, what are meaningful reps? So we are always going to try and simulate from our individual gr- drills on up to our group stuff what things are going to be like in the game. So, you know, if we're running, if we're just doing a route perfection indie with wide receivers at the beginning of practice where they're working a particular route technique, we want it to be – against what they're going to see in a game that week or the techniques that they're going to see, something that's real world. So, like, you don't see, unless it's literally a leg saver during special teams type drill, you don't see us just, you know, catch a ball or just run a route on air with no defender. Whether it's a coach or it's an actual scout team player, we're going to run routes against people because I think that's important. Even when we do routes on air periods and we're trying to get five catches with five quarterbacks throwing, we're still going to have coaches – play the role of a linebacker or a corner or safety so that they can provide reads. And so you're making things game-like, even, even down to the way we structure our practice to, to be broken up. We, we really don't believe in the old school, you know, offense goes for 25 minutes and then stop. And then defense goes for 25 minutes. We try and have abbreviations in our practice where just like a game, the offense is on the field and then they're off. And there's that. So like we, we break up our team and team scout period. So, our offense may go against scout for a period, and then we're going to stop, and the defense will go against scout. So that we're transitioning just like a game. We're making things more game-like. We're actually – I talked about the blitz pickup period. That simulates adjustments for us on the sideline where we can go in and work on stuff and talk through it in practice before we even watch film. And we believe in watching film 100%. We film everything we do. We're really blessed at our school to have – abundant meeting time with guys but we're also going to fix things in practice and so in order to do that you've got to set up practice to where that can happen and that's what we tried to do one concept that i want to go over specifically is the uh the book right and you know within here doing some things dodge was a favorite thing i picked up from you i thought a great way to teach and run some option type routes uh, because those can get you know pretty tough to 
I guess standardize among your different athletes. I think I think Dodge does that right. as well as any. And then the other thing you have in you know Stitch Book, uh, and again uh, I'll share the link that you, you have this in Coach Tube, is the back out of the backfield on this. And I think you know it's it's again it's one of those four vertical switch concepts. But what I like about this one is you know when you think about having your two receivers up up on the line of scrimmage, is this yeah, you're, you look at the lines, it's attacking the same way, but it, it attacks differently because of these guys being on different levels, right? Guy coming from the backfield right. and the guy on the line of scrimmage. So there's, there's a lot there to this one. So let's start with a, a couple things here. The, the dodge, which I said I think is a great way to teach an option type of route, which essentially is you're running a hitch, and then you're making a decision based on that. So uh, I'll let you teach it since I learned it from you. Talk us through teaching that dodge route. I love dodge. Uh, a real quick sort of you know blurb about dodge is I think that one of the ways dodge evolved for us is, is two things really. What you just said, which is that option routes, they, that turns into a lot of stuff, and you may not be able to do those with everybody. And I think dodge you can do with everybody. And I think two, because we were seeing a lot of you know odd front and drop aid and things like that. Things like traditional, like for us, what we call sloppy, but our traditional NFL choice, which just NFL teams run over and over and over, where they've got a two-way break kind of off a hesitation release, and they're running an option route. Sometimes you're bracketed. You've got a guy inside and outside, and so there's really nowhere to go. Well, the thing about dodge is you have that option to catch the hitch between two bracketing defenders if you've got an inside linebacker and an outside linebacker that are in-outing you. You can catch the hitch right between them. And then you can really make that inside linebacker wrong. So the, the way we initially installed dodge was we would hitch first. So we're running a five-yard hitch, and you're turning to the quarterback. And, you know, versus blitz, you're going to get that ball, or if you're open, he may give you the hitch. If he doesn't give you the hitch, then you go into the option portion of it. So for us originally, and I think probably the way we originally talked about it is I'm really keying that next backer inside. And I'm, I'm deciding, am I going to go over the top of him or am I going to go underneath him? And we really like to incorporate, while you're looking at him, an outside step, kind of a jerk route move for people that are familiar with people like the Patriots and lots of NFL teams that kind of run that route where they fake outside and then break across. Well, that's what we're doing. And so we're really trying to make an inside backer wrong. And because the quarterback knows option-wise that it's going to be an inside break, it helps him play a little bit of games with his eyes, and we would usually have a dig or some kind of accompanying route coming from outside of that dodge route. So it really becomes a lot of option routes. You know, I'm throwing to the option guy, and or I got to get off of it. Well, this becomes more of almost a progression option route. That's why we liked it. So now to the field, especially in the stitch book concept that you're talking about, it, he's doing the same thing except we have locked him into in that concept. He's not going to go above a linebacker. So he is going to hitch again, and he's a built-in hot for the quarterback to the field three-by-one side. If he doesn't get the ball, then he's going to have that jerk motion. He's going to act like he's going back outside, and then he's just going to come across uh, with drag rules. So we're kind of trying to get two things. We, what, what, why we like it is we felt like we kind of get the shock concept that everybody runs where now we're one hitches, two has the slot fade, and three runs the stick route. Well, we feel like we have that built in, but then we still wanted to get our drag. We always have drags underneath our seam read package. Well, now that we get two for one with that route. So we just layered concepts in order to kind of get both those things. So 
it can look like on film we're throwing three by one stick if that guy's open and the mic doesn't match the dodger out on the hitch. But if he does, we can get backside and we've got our normal three by one, you know, book, which is where the back is is a part of the seam read package. So uh, it's a really versatile route. It's really useful. The kids like it, and we feel like anybody can run it, and it, you can use it in other packages too. That's what I love about Dodge is you can kind of incorporate it just into other things you do in your offense. That's the way it worked for us. When we taught that one individual route, again, which I felt was really easy to teach, and then it, it really became, I think, the one particular year I just had that. Our best guy was the slot receiver, and we had to get him the ball one way or the other. And, you know, Dodge was a, a pretty good answer. And there, we saw, well, you know, we could build it into this concept. We can build this around it here that we already do. And, and it fit in there just like you did in this. And I'll, I'll get the diagram of this one. I'll share it uh, in the show notes on coachingcoordinator.com. But I highly recommend uh, checking this out as well. And I'll, I'll share the links to uh, your stuff there as well. And Coach, it's been great catching up. This, this one could go on for hours and hours. So we have to just make sure we... We don't wait that long till we catch up again and talk some more ball. Yeah, that sounds good. I really enjoy it.